No, I think a nice uh, small five to six inch stick is just fine. Um, hi everybody and welcome to chapter 8 of Tops, Bottoms, and Side Pockets. Um, I'm Cody Gold. I'm Sean Drowen. And I'm Chris Murphy. So what are you guys hoping for in chapter 8? What do you think oh, moving oh. forward? I hope that this entire chapter is um, Sandy and Robin taking a nice vacay to mm-hmm. Palm Springs, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Sister. the entire Saints. chapter is just them sitting by the pool, drinking margaritas, and doing fun magazine quizzes, and mm. just relaxing, because I feel like their, lives is, their life is trauma. Chris mm. wants exactly the opposite, oh, I'm honest. I, you can tell. You can literally read it in my face that I just want something, just like... To tear. I don't want them to be torn apart, but I want. You're I done want with the drama. I just. She was really helpful last chapter, but he's got to do something. He needs to do something. Yeah. He needs to one get a gay friend because I don't trust gay people who don't have gay friends. We can get them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's the real. I was because mm-hmm. I was I was in a class with this guy and he was really cool. He's queer. And we're vibing. And we're walking um, after class one day, and he was like, you know, like. I usually I just mostly hang out with straight people like you're like the first like gay dude that I'm like I'm like oh my god like I will never speak to you again yeah I just it's really suspect it's sus and I don't appreciate it and I think it says a little bit more about the person and the I can't believe that Robin doesn't have a gay friend he doesn't yet. have a gay friend he does not have a single gay friend there's not one gay man in his life that he hasn't fucked so I so think. far we're against tops twin cest <laughs> Guys who don't um, have gay friends. Guys who don't for have gay friends. For David Hill, we're not against tops. We're against tops <laughs> who are. <laughs> we're against tops who are not respectful of all the shades of. Right you list, you mean to tops. tops? Oh my god! Add it to the list of people we hate. Yes, but um, no. I really I want Robin to fall in love again because I love Robin when he's in love. Oh yeah, I love Robin when he's in love, and I hope that. Um, you know what? Uh, on this Palm Springs getaway, I hope that he has some nice vanilla sex with just a nice man. You know? Just a nice man. Yeah. Just a nice boy. Chapter 8. The ugly episode almost floored me, and Teddy half convinced me that I should, with his help, set Bert up for a blackmail kick. So you get your Teddy back. Yes. Yeah, Teddy back. And, and we get blackmail. We get revenge. Are we about to have a farce? <laughs> <laughs> we'll a farce. But I had never been either a criminal nor a hustler as such, and it was easier to wallow in self-pity than to fight back. Sandy kept her own counsel as usual. She liked Teddy and would keep the two of us in beer and nibblings while we lolled around the apartment and complained about men, women, and the injustice of it all. And without warning, the three of us became involved in our own puddle of sex. Again, yeah, why does it always have to, say, to Teddy had potential to be a gay friend and he fucks it up. But you can fuck a friend. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at my whole sexual history in one moment. <laughs> that sound was literally like every. Um, and I came around to decide yes, you can fuck a friend. Yeah. Not without consequence. But you can so. continue to fuck a friend. Exactly. Not without consequence. Yeah. Around the apartment, we hadn't been very careful. It was summer, and often Teddy and I were stripped to our panties, his being much fancier than mine. Sandy would bounce around in her clever net brassiere and panties, or sometimes a light cotton playsuit. Unlike myself, Teddy liked to play, and he was an inveterate kisser. 
I will say he bothered Sandy some too, and she used to giggle and coyly push him off when he got into one of his loving, teasing moods. About three nights after the explosion with Bert, we were beard up and having an impromptu ball among ourselves when Teddy went over the funny edge. He got my panties down and began to kiss me up in front of Sandy, and at the same time, he rolled his lacy underwear down and began to masturbate. Up to that time, Sandy had never seen me in any kind of homosexual act. It embarrassed me through four cans of beer, but not her. After a moment of intense watching, she got up and came over to kneel by Teddy's quivering, crouched body. I thought she was going to help him, but instead she pushed him aside and took his place on me. Uh, you know how I feel about Sandy and Robin engaging in sexual well, activity. she's in love with him. I know, and that brings me so much pain. Like, I wake up in the middle of the night during the week and think about Sandy being in love with Robin. It breaks my heart. It breaks, breaks me. Yeah. breaks me. The next thing I knew, they were rolling around on the rug, laughing and struggling, and I was standing over them, entranced by the twisting, straining bodies. I just knelt and began to force my organ into Teddy. It made him holler and laugh in protest, but he let Sandy hold him for me. And when he and I were loving vigorously, Sandy doubled down and began to kiss the throbbing response Teddy made to my caress. I had never seen Sandy so excited. After a few moments, she tried to turn under Teddy, her legs wide, her right hand clawing the crotch of her panties aside to permit Teddy entry. With me riding him so, he couldn't move, so I let up long enough for him to climb over Sandy. Then, like a three-layered cake, we set to again, laughing and calling each other some pretty dirty names. Teddy stayed all night, sleeping with Sandy and me because he didn't have the strength to go home. I... sorry, I kind of... I was not into this at first, but I kind of got into that a little bit. Mm, I kind of that, please. I just mean to say, like that sounds healthy to me. Or you don't think so? Go on. I no, I just mean like I feel like Robin, you know, was able to have sex with Teddy, which was clearly something he wanted to do, and like Teddy, like seemed to like willingly want to like have sex with Sandy. And it just seemed like a good threesome in a way that I wasn't expecting it to be. Sounds a little like throwing an old dog a bone. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? A 33-year-old dog. Yes. <laughs> I know, but... A 33-year-old dog who probably shouldn't have that bone and probably needs to look for other bones that are more inappropriate and that love her back. I know. But we don't know a lot about Teddy yet. We don't know. I'm willing to give Teddy the benefit of the doubt, but... I am so ready for Chris to get a dog. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I agree That dog you. is just going to be a metaphor. <laughs> The dog will not be very well taken care of. <laughs> oh my god! But I agree. I agree with you. I, I do um, see how it's not as bad. It's not as bad as it could have been. Well, because every single was good. Every single sex episode between her and Robin is just like so depressing. tragic. Tragic. Anyway, sorry to interrupt, but I just uh, you always say sorry to interrupt. That's, that's our the job. <laughs> that's like literally our job is to interrupt him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my job in life with you. So like, I should be used to it by now. Oh my god! I'm southern. By then, we had done everything two men and a woman could think of, and a few things which took no thought. I couldn't go to sleep for thinking about how Sandy had gone wild with us. No matter how Teddy and I played, she managed to get into the act with her bounding hips or her hot, eager lips and fingers. Full of beer and latent excitement, I finally got up and went to the bathroom. Teddy was asleep, and I thought Sandy was too. 
I hadn't turned the light on, and the next thing I knew, Sandy was standing over me, her hands tender and supplicating my face. You all right, baby? She whispered. Sure, just full of beer. You okay? You ashamed of me, baby? Why should I be ashamed of you? I let Teddy bang me around. We just had a little fun, Sandy, I said, standing up so her body pressed to mine. I could feel her low, melon-shaped breasts on my belly, and for a moment we stood in close embrace with my face down against her must hair. Then she began to shake, and I discovered she was crying silently. Come off it, Sandy, I murmured. It isn't that much of a thing. I'm glad you had some fun out of it. I, I love you so, baby. <laughs> I never let go before. Honest, I haven't. Why not? I hate a... I hate a chippy worse than death, she said. But it didn't seem like I was chipping on you tonight. I mean, about Teddy. What's the difference between what he and I do and what we all did, or for that matter, what you want to do with him? I wasn't doing it with him. I was doing it with you. Oh, he was the conduit. Oh, no. I mean, but that's true. I mean, it was like... And that's the disconnect. And that's the disconnect. So they're about to have a reckoning. Yeah, it's... Um, I don't know if I'm emotionally ready for this reckoning. I always ask for something that I don't actually want. I, don't I know you were the one. <laughs> I asked for the drama, and they brought the drama. If and now I don't want the drama. Now you just want them to be wearing caftans and palm sprays. And doing a crossword, and doing a sensible crossword. Oh, no. I think that this is something that is not exclusive, though, to purely um, mixed sexuality oh, and friendships. No, yeah. Just in the sense of, like, um, I've had experiences wherein, like, you fall for a friend in a way that is not appropriate and then kind of have to reconcile that Absolutely. inside and outside of the friendship in different ways. Oh, yeah. I mean, but I think I think that is just, like the dance that, like, queer men are constantly having to do with one another. Because you want to fuck this guy who wants to fuck this guy who wants to fuck this guy. Who wants to fuck your friend. Exactly. And and to navigate the relationship between, okay, which is something that straight people don't get. And that's something, don't, not to be generous, but whatnot. We hate straight people. We hate some ads for No, 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 no. no. But, (laughs) (laughs) But they often think, you either get like, oh, like, don't all you gay guys just fuck all the time? Don't you fuck all your gay friends? Or they ask, they don't understand that, like, oh, like, some gay people can just be friends. Or that it's such a hard thing to navigate, especially when you're just meeting a new gay guy and, like, you can recognize that they're attractive, but, like, are you attracted to them? Or you both recognize that you're attractive, attracted to one another, but given circumstances, it's just not, you know, it's either, like, you're in a situation where you have to work together or you have to do these things or like it's mm-hmm. just like you have to navigate all these I would but I will say I was with this guy for like four months mm-hmm. a few, like two years ago and we were talking at one point and I was like oh I have a lot of queer friends that I don't sleep with and he thought that was so weird uh, so that, we hate him because we, we said that last episode we hate him yeah and it, and it was just I don't I don't know but yeah I have some of my best friends are guys that I've hooked up with and slept with and then some of my best queer friends uh, are guys that I would never hook up with. Yeah. Not because they aren't beautiful or attractive, but just because I don't see them in that way. And that's a really hard thing to navigate. And I've been on both ends of the spectrum. For sure. Like, 
into a guy who only sees me as a friend and having like a friend be into me that I only see as a friend. And it is really just like a cause of stress. It, I like, think even more than just the sexual element though, love. Okay. Like, because yeah. you're in this, I mean like, I think that that's one of the, the strange things about being gay. Probably what allows Robin to handle this situation is that you are so aware of the amorphous expressions and iterations of love that kind of weave their way in and out of every one of your relationships. That are not always sexual. Because he's in love with Sandy and she's in love with him, but it's two different expressions. It's two different expressions. Of and, two different, and two people who need two different things. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, Sandy gives him everything that he needs, I feel. And she doesn't get she all doesn't that get all back. That. She doesn't get all that well, Yeah, that's, that's true. And that's like, I mean... But that's also part of her dishonesty. Mm -hmm. She's in truth. Well, and that's a question that I have about all of this, because I feel like when you, let's say you start to develop feelings for like a very close friend, Mm -hmm. and you are like, okay, I'm not going to like kind of confront those feelings because of the friendship or whatever. Are you being dishonest? When when is it the time where you have to have that conversation with someone? Well, when it gives you when your pain about feeling I have a very specific answer when your pain about the love that overrides you get the, the joy, the joy that you get from your relationship currently, and I don't think I've ever been at a point where the pain of wanting a f- close friend has overridden the joy that I feel. Honestly, I feel like most of my um, like sexual gay relationships have started with sex first primarily because of that like once I get too close with someone then I can't really go back I don't know I feel like it needs to start with like we are sexually into each other and we have fucked or done something and then you know a friendship emerges Um, yeah for me I agree with that but I want it to be the opposite I think that feels more natural I actually have two instances that very strongly come to mind with this Mm -hmm. and in, I'm I'm just the type of person I say it if I'm like if I'm I kind of I, I go for it ten uh, usually you play I the lottery you. I do I commend you I play the lottery but um in neither case were they into it one of them handled it extremely well and I went back to him like six months later and mm-hmm. I was like you like you did this incredibly mm-hmm. um, yeah. and then the other one is dead now. Dead. <laughs> I, I <laughs> literally had the same experience with two people and one person handled it. I'll tell you. <laughs> but it was just, um, but tell me, how did he handle it? That made it feel good. And then how did he handle it made it feel bad? He let me be ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I think in many ways what, you like know, ugly in your truth and just like, kind of like, yeah, in the, like in the way that Robin is allowing Sandy to, cry and yeah. kind of do these uh, desperate things mm-hmm. and kind of get it out of her system in a certain way and not hold it against her, this person was able to let me be irrationally angry at him, okay. allow me to be um, Ooh, give you space to be distant, but also present. He like there was a kindness that withstood some uh, uh, trauma that I was en route for. Mm. Whereas the other person who's dead now. Who's dead now. Um, whereas the other person um, was unkind. Was unkind. And un, um, uncaring. Mm-hmm. Unkind. 
from about mm-hmm. where you're coming from and your perspective. Yeah, that's that sucks, and that's so. It's something that we all we all have to navigate in the queer community thing. I think is another. You know, you come out and you you have this other. There are so many things to contend with. Oof, my head just went spinning. Oh, when Harry met Sally, am I right? Oh, God. <laughs> Let's hope that Sandy, or at least Robin, is more kind to Sandy. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, I laughed. Go back to bed and get some rest. Tomorrow is another day. And a wild one. It wasn't a work day for Teddy, and I was out of a job. Sandy fed us, washed us, and made a quick trip to the market to replenish our supply of beer. By noon, we were back into the rigorous game of threesies, with time out only when Teddy or I ran out of stiff which by late afternoon didn't make much difference because we had all attained a degree of lewd merriment which didn't require any particular shape and certainly not orgasm. Teddy had to work that night, and he left in time to go home and change his clothes, pick up his horns, and make the 9.30 call. Beat, Sandy, and I went to bed and slept until morning. When I awakened, she had already knocked off half a pot of coffee and was sitting in a big droop at the kitchen table. She stared at my naked body while I poured myself a cup of coffee, and the impact of her eyes caused me some slight reaction, largely like ticking a sore thumb on a feather duster, but noticeable. More so because somewhere in the two-day melee, both Teddy and I had taken my electric shaver to our groins. You're damned right it's going to itch when it starts to grow out, I remember telling Sandy. Looks kind of cute, doesn't it? What are we going to do, baby? She asked wearily. Do? Why, I'm going to find another better job. That's what we're going to do. Tell with that nasty old warehouse anyway. She shook her head. I mean about you and me and Teddy. You know, there is, I've got to say, there is um, a maturity that we're getting in the Sandy character over time. And this self-awareness right now is just, like, really powerful and sad. Yes. Miss Sandy from Chapter 3 would not be asking this question. That's for sure. Well, she looks at this situation, and she is like, this is not sustainable. I think she sees it for what it is. My heart is breaking, and we need to smash it or get out the duct tape, you know? The energy in this room compared to last week for Chapter 7... It's solemn. It's solemn. It is... It is... I feel it in my chest. I really do. I do, too. It's also, like, dredging up a lot of, like, hard emotions for me because, like, I am so connected to Sandy right now. You are Sandy. You're Sandy. But not even, but I just mean, like, I so empathize with what she's going through. Mm. We've all been there, honey. Why the hell should we do anything? The tears welled up in her eyes, and I thought she looked very tired, almost old. I slid out of the cold plastic chair and knelt beside her. My hands spread gently around the bulge of her thigh, which wasn't getting any more solid as the years passed. Hey? I hate him, she said softly. We were so happy together. Now there are three of us, and it's terrible, baby. Oh, the dickens. There aren't three of us, and we... You and I are just as happy as we ever were. Sure, it was fun, but it it wasn't like a religion. You don't like it, we don't ever do it again. You're so good to Mama, she said with a little laugh. I have to shower. Want to wash my back? She leaned over and licked my shoulder. 
then up my neck, and when we kissed, it was that old, sterile lip-to-lip kiss that said so much but started nothing. When I stood up to get the kink out of my knees, she kissed me again, but let go before it did anything for me. Okay, wait. Oh my god, oh! Language just piercing my soul. I hate him. Oh, that just... Well, and she's... The thing that's most revealing is when she's like, you're so good to mama, and laughs, because she's like, you don't know. And she's... It's just... For Before, it's the thing... Robin is... We are giving him credit for, you know, his maturity in this relationship. I'm giving him no credit in this situation. Okay, well, me... I was about to say me, too, because he's totally deflecting the whole entire time. Like, what's the problem? What, it, like... He he wants to have cake and eat it too. Exactly. He's getting everything he needs. Exactly. So he doesn't want to change it. He doesn't want to flip the script. Ugh. I just, um... Wow. It's like, the, it, it just... And we still have so much book left. Exactly. Too. So Sandy, he's about to begin a life without her, clearly. I mean, he has to. She Or she has to begin her life. Somebody has to do something. I need a little clarification. So who said... Uh, We'll get rid of him. Let's go back to just the two of us. Who was talking? I think that was Robin. Robin. That was Robin. So he was. That's his concession. Yeah. But she's and she's trying to communicate to him that, that that's not not enough. enough. That's not the problem. And the mm. kiss that says everything but doesn't start Woo! anything. Wow, mm. that's Goodness. beautiful. It's Goddamn mm. Layla McQueen. She's a great Layla. writer. Layla <laughs> 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 Teddy thought he was in love with me after that. He also thought Sandy went along in any deal that I made, and when I told him how she really felt, he was a little peevish. Peevish with Teddy meant pouting and weeping, but in the end, we made love and he forgot his disappointment. He didn't forget the weird and wonderful time the three of us had shared, however, and on the Monday following our half-stated agreement, he showed up at his apartment with Darlene. I thought he had been at a recording studio. Maybe he had, but Darlene was no musician. She was a high-brown, low-yellow Amazon with a broad, heavy mouth and a petite nose, only slightly shotgunned, and she had a brand of living, pulsing sex even I could feel. I was shocked, first at Teddy, then at myself. She was completely undixie, and according to Teddy, was a first-class stripper, temporarily out of a spot. Getting out of her clothes was almost an automatic motion for Darlene. She was a beautiful hunk of sex, and I disliked her at once. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, also, is this the first black character we've got? I think so. Damn. Praise be. Yes, Darlene, come through. Then I disliked myself, because after two beers and some inane chit-chat, she didn't seem like a woman to me. I had never laid a hand on a colored woman in my life, and only once on a colored man, at a party several years before when I was paid to play, not look. Sandy had several times in the old days remarked about sexy colored men. I'd known a thousand Negroes on the boulevard, but in the daylight or the blue glow over a saloon piano, they had required no consideration from me that I wouldn't have given to a green man from Mars. Friendly curiosity and applause for talent. Yeah. yeah, this is its back. It's, it's, we're, uh, the 70s, also robbing. Darlene was a big, hot-blooded hermaphrodite who liked gay boys and cared not a whit for girls. Mm. Interesting. Okay. okay, that's something that I wasn't expecting about Darlene, Me neither. about it. Teddy exposed her sexual equipment as if she were a prized sow at a county fair. 
She opened up her muscular brown thighs and spread the most massive purple and puffed labia any woman ever owned. And lying in snug pulsation was the tremendously oversized clitoral development she had never found any real use for. She was 24 and shrieked like a six-year-old girl when the slightest funny was spoken. She swallowed semen, which was something neither Teddy nor I ever did. Really? That really just—that shocks that me. Of yeah, so, all this chapter, that's fine. That is the most surprising thing. <laughs> I mean, how? Who doesn't swallow? I don't. Ooh. You don't? I don't let semen in my mouth. What, what about a lady? you? What a lady! I mean, it depends on my mood. I'll go either way. Interesting. If I care for someone, then sure. But I just can't deal with the cleanup. Um, the cleanup's kind of a fun part, though. I would say I probably more often spit than swallow. I just throw them a Kleenex and call it a day. Or ask for it to be just Get the some fuck out. Well, I guess more often Someone than not, else. I would rather like just not finish it. Yes. I guess that's true. That and not spit or swallow. That typically doesn't, yeah. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it doesn't go in my mouth. I just don't oh, I see what you mean. I thought you were saying you were a spitter, and I was like, ooh, mm. I feel like that's more disgusting. I also like, don't understand swallowing in the sense of like, in the sense of, like, they're done. What does it matter what I do or don't do, like, after they've come? I mean, they're... This is my very vanilla side, <laughs> being, like, being like, I'm only in this for the serotonin. And then once that's over, it's over. Here's your Ziploc bag and Kleenex. Now get out of my apartment. <laughs> that's literally me. Oh, my goodness. Um, Her appetite for male sperm was prodigious. She also had a peculiarly pleasant habit of tonguing into a male rectum if she found it where she could reach it. In return, she wanted to be loved between her own high, horse-like rumps. During any given 30 minutes, she would develop a body odor I learned to like. She was a riot without ever removing her clothes. She had an acute sense of balance and never lost an opportunity to teeter something high and fragile on her forehead and pretend she was fornicating while she balanced a vase or a dish on her tipped back head. Her long, conical breasts would swing and flop, her buttocks would snap and gyrate, and she would invariably end each act by passing wind with a ripping staccato. She urinated in a standing position. Once she stood in front of Teddy's kitchen sink and showed how she used to do it in the days when her pocketbook prevented her from living in a hotel room with an attached toilet. She could arc it up over the sink with amazing accuracy. Nothing was taboo. My money was down to $70 before I came out from under Darlene's spell long enough to find a job. It took me a week, and Teddy loaned me $50 until I received my first $72 paycheck for my week's work as service manager for a Yucca Street motel. I minded the maids, the linen, and the service property of the 30-bed establishment. It was a night and morning job. As a hot sheet joint, most of the rooms had to be changed at least twice a night and always before noon. After that, the chief maid minded the place till I came on duty at nine. It was a lousy deal, and I began to change my opinions of unions within a week. The second week, I wised up and cut my own hours to about six a day by trusting a fat Mexican girl who filled in for the tips she could hustle when no other maid service was available. One of her gimmicks was a fast blowjob in a service closet for three bucks. I often wondered how many wives wondered why their husbands were so slow about getting a pitcher of ice and two bottles of soda out of the service area way. During this time, Sandy reconciled herself to my apartment love affair with Teddy. She knew why, or thought she knew, why he never came to our apartment. I didn't have the nerve to tell her about Darlene, who by then was almost a hunk of furniture in Teddy's place. He and I were about half in love with her. She was not a woman, and she was not a man. 
She did feminine things and looked like a woman, but her tastes for sex were hardly different than my own or Teddy's. The difference was laughingly ignored, despite the fact that she tried on several occasions to push her overdeveloped clitoral structure into rectal and oral cavities. The latter we helped her with simply as a diversion from ennui. Once taking turns, Teddy and I sent her into a hysterical coma while she lay back on the bed and let us spend two jaw-breaking hours tearing her up. I got out when she brought her brother into the act. He was a slope-shouldered colored man as ugly as Darlene was pretty. His sex organ was the hugest thing I'd ever seen, and he only wanted to put it into an aperture and pound his brains out through the low end of his spine. Teddy was fascinated, but I cut out. Scotty had long ago taught me what can happen with consistent sodomy with a big stud. Teddy was hooked. He couldn't do without Darlene, and she wouldn't do without her brother. I feel like we're just not talking about the fact that she will only fucking room where her brother is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I guess I can't believe the fact that she's got me so desensitized to that, like, and I really course. didn't even but like, that's so... One that thing is problematic. One thing that I love about this book, and honestly what made me want to do it as a podcast is that um, I love the way that it makes you stop blinking at wild things because I think that in many mm. ways life can do that to you and I think that the, the normalization of these kinds of things not in that I like want this to become like the norm every sex act is like with your brother and a hermaphrodite <laughs> but just in the sense of like I to me I think a better world would want, would be one wherein you can just like walk into a room and like blurt out exactly what just happened Mm. Mm. I feel that it's yeah. I feel like I don't have any qualms with incest. I just wanted to say hey. To <laughs> it. Let's acknowledge that it's in the room. So twincest is bad. Incest it's is great. <laughs> Pro incest, anti twincest. Uh, oh my god! god. Uh, you know when Julianne Moore finally guests on our show, <laughs> we're gonna have to change our politics. I think. <laughs> no, she's down. She gets us. I know. We all went through about four or five days of shrieking, scathing accusations, recriminations, and dirty names, but I bowed out. It hurt, because I had invested a lot of subconscious, emotional devotion to our strange arrangement, but in the end, Sandy was always waiting, with her loose, softly comforting breasts and her gentle words of adoration. A boy I had met only once offered me a better job. He ran a posh art gallery out on Sunset Boulevard, and one of his salesmen had married a rich Jew. I was to get $50 a week and 4% commission. I knew nothing about art, modern nor traditional, but within a week, I sounded like an authority. Further, I looked good in a high-style suit and a Cossack shirt. The women who buy the kind of trash my friends sold were largely kooks in the first place, and they loved me. I actually sold one huge monstrosity of a color glob to a fat dowager who believed me when I said I became sexually excited just looking at the canvas she fancied. Sandy nearly went out of her mind. I dressed well and easy hours, and within a month, I was averaging nearly $200 a week. I quit using Darlene language, spent $4 for a haircut, and bought two pairs of striped trousers that showed one and all how round my butt was and how long my sex organ was in sweet repose. I, like, love Robin getting fancy on his own. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's like that scene when Andy and Devil Wears Prada, like, Seth makes her oh. own outfit. Oh. oh, yes. Oh, yes. Ah, uh, Anne Hathaway, wherever you are, I'm sorry. 
On behalf of all of us, she knows. She knows. And we, we do apologize to you. My boss was a dear man who understood every blue day and every high moment. We fondled and cooed, but he was in love with a bit player who did heavies in cheap westerns. I began to work four to nine when my employer decided I knew enough artwork palaver to work the shop alone. Once in a while, Sandy would sneak down in the evenings just to see her baby in command of the impressive gallery. I almost forgot I'd ever had a bad moment in my life. My sex life was reduced to nothing. Almost. (laughs) Sean said with a twinkle in Occasionally, I'd get an invitation to dinner by some nice, mostly rich man who wandered into the gallery, and these were always pleasant times, if not very vital. I didn't really push too hard because for the first time in my life, I was looking into the future. I had been happy in the warehouses, but this was another thing. I began to see that with only a little foresight, I could secure myself in a world both pleasant and remunerative, and not the slightest bit alien to my private sex inclinations. Almost every man I met in the trade and surrounding it was like myself. They had money, prestige, and a purpose in life. Some were married to lovely men, and others played the field. It seemed something one could choose if the pressures were less than economical. The big problem was women. They flocked in, panting and grabbing and hinting. When I told Sandy about the flushed and throbbing wives of sundry hardworking husbands, she only smiled and patted my head. Mama knows, she told me. Men are little boys grown up, and women never get over wanting to play with dolls. And that was chapter eight. Rearing it. That was chapter eight. That's a short-ass chapter. You know, I am... I'm sad because I know that Sandy knows that Robin is about to leave her in the dust. Or she's going to find a way to pull him back down, as she always does. And there's me being the son. She got sick and was sent to the hospital. That's not dragging her. And Artie was an asshole. (laughs) And yeah, she welcomed him back there. You know she so had that hysterectomy on just purpose. To get I have to get him back. I think, you know, but I will say that I'm kind of ready. While I'm still, like, into the book and still very interested in everything, I, I need some. I need him to get out of this anything and, like, do something new and do something different. And I feel well, like this could be an interesting foray exactly. to, like, a higher echelon of, like... Absolutely. Because yeah. we've seen him do, you know, the sex worker stuff. We've seen him do, like, the... the rough trade, like, mm-hmm. you know, construction man stuff. But now it's nice to see him, you know, put on his Sunday clothes. Yeah, because like, he's, like, 25. Yeah, he's probably 26, 27 now, because he's, like, yeah. he could actually be 30. We have no idea. That's true. But it's nice to see him, you know, think about his future and, like... Or seeing that there's, like, oh, like, here are gay men who are just, like, living their lives, and they have purpose, I think he said. And I think that's something Robin has never had. Yes, I think he's had a good-ass time. Yeah, and some really, and some really bad times. times. But I think bringing some purpose into his life that isn't attached to a man or to, like, saving Sandy or himself could be really good for him. Yeah, some forward momentum. But you know, and you just said it, that like when he gets forward momentum, that momentum is going to catapult him away from Sandy. Ugh, but... Unless he can bring her with him but I don't think he can nor should he no it's not his responsibility Sandy's made her bed she has to lie in it wow but there like, I go again I know like that Rip is on Sandy. she didn't make her bed I think there are lots of like circumstances and like and real, yeah. there are real things that I'm ignoring for the sake of I think it's amazing narrative. too that we get so much backstory with Robin 
And we don't know anything yeah, about where Sandy came from. Not her childhood, from. not her family life. And yet she somehow escapes being, like, a magical character. Yeah, or two Like, she is having her own... Yeah, she is having her own dynamic world, while also, like... She's not a manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, like, yeah, She's, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, but I do... She's far from it. I don't know. I like... She's lived. I liked this chapter because it... In comparison to chapter seven, it was very real, and I like so how it dark. like boldly interrogated Robin's relationship with Sandy, but still with some whimsical elements. Like Darlene yeah. was so fun, quirky, and fun and whimsical. And I think really good for him. I think that was a really good experience for him to have. And yeah, and mind you, we started this chapter, and I think that's actually something that's really fascinating about these chapters. You may not even remember that this chapter was the one where it started with the three Z's, with the whole thing. I know, with, yeah, that was this chapter. Yeah, yeah, no way. I know, and then we get you get so far away from the beginning in a very short time. Where wow. with Sandy crying into him, and them having that almost reckoning. I mean, to go way back, the. There's the kiss that you loved, the sterile kiss. Mm-hmm. And then as he's getting up, she gives him one more. Yeah. And then she says, he let it go before it started anything. Mm-hmm. And I have such a strong, visceral image of that, like, almost start when, like, one person is trying to, like, make a move. And then it, like, doesn't quite land. And it kind of goes in the wrong way. He's got to pull apart. He's got to let it go. I, I think... I think the most devastating part of this book thus far, and when we both had it, was when she says, I hate him. Hate him. Oh my god, I. That and her delivery was really fantastic. Oh, I mean, of course, like, Drama Desk mm. Award nominee, Award Sean Yes. I'm really going for my Theater World Award. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one I want. Anyway, um, if you love what we're serving you, please review us on iTunes, find us on social Ray media, Tops, Bottoms, and Side Pockets. We love bringing this to you every week. Absolutely. And keep listening. Don't you want to see Robin Absolutely. just grow with us? I do. Because he's growing, he's learning. The next chapter is a doozy. Oh, Jesus Christ. Started. We don't know. All right, well, we love you all. We do. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.